Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to quote a scripture to you while you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This morning I want to talk to us about possessing the, the power to pass through the valley of Baca. The power to pass through Baca. I've not stopped talking about this power because there's so many aspects to it that one of the problems in today's church is that the priesthood of all believers, that's you and me, there seems to be this distinct lack of power within the church. And that's why, church, there must be unprecedented miracles breaking out. There must be healings going on inside this church. There must be miracles going on inside you. There must be breakthroughs coming inside you. You cannot be a breakthrough church if no one's having a breakthrough. True? It's like saying, we're a musical church, but no one can sing. Or we're a sports academy, but no one can play sports. It just, it's, it's, it's an oxymoron. Well, is that one of them? Oh, don't worry. It's, it's just goes against the grain. So when we talk about breakthroughs, you must be having the breakthroughs. And I know many of you are having the breakthroughs. I get emails from you. And thank you. Keep sending the emails. But you know, you're testifying to me. And that's wonderful. Keep doing that. But I need you to testify to the people around you. Because when pe- faith comes by what? Hearing. And when somebody hears that they've had a breakthrough, it encourages them to stand up and do it. And say, well, if it can happen to them, it can happen to me. It's true, church. You've got to be a testifying church. You have to be a people who will witness and say of the things what God is doing. Amen. It's no use just saying, well, I've had a wonderful time and I'll keep it to myself. No, no, no. You know what the Bible says? Can I just say something? The Bible says you must, must, not will you. It says you must share all things with your instructor. You must share all things with your instructor. In that sense, the pastor. So, and then you must share them with the people. So the people can rejoice and find out how God's moving. Amen? Because preaching is one thing, but then you grabbing hold of it and living it and seeing it rise from your life is the application of what was taught. Yes? That's why the teacher gives you homework. Not because she's rotten. Well, she probably is, but it's how much homework determines her rottenness. But homework is a good thing. Why? Because it shows her whether you're learning what she's saying. True? No, I know I never appreciated that at school. I just thought she was vindictive. And she was, but homework is essential. And you all have homework. You you are responsible to take what God's saying and do something with it. That's called homework. Amen. So in Isaiah 61, God shows us that Zion is on his heart. In fact, if you look at it right there, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. On this banner here, the scripture at the bottom, right where Kevin's head is, it says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And then I've changed it for Manchester's sake. I will not remain quiet. But he says this. I will not remain quiet till her righteousness shines. Out like the dawn. Her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your glory. You'll be called by a new name that the Lord will bestow. You'll be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand. And a royal diadem in the hand hand of your God. God's obsessed with Zion. God is obsessed with it. All the way through the Bible, God's talking about Zion. He's obsessed with it. It's, it's, it's part of his innate nature. 
He wants Zion to prosper. He wants Zion to be blessed. So this is why we must enter this dimension. In the Old Testament, it was, it was spoke of Israel. But we're not going to Israel. We're not going on a tour. This is a spiritual dimension that the church is tapping into. And God is still emphasizing the power and the need for Zion. Right now, there's physical conflict in Israel. And Zion, the Jerusalem, the old Jerusalem, is getting media attention. But every day, millions of people are entering the spiritual dimension of Zion. <laughs> because even if the old Jerusalem would crumble today, the new Jer- Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, is still open. Amen? It's not subject to earthly powers. But earthly powers are subject to her. True? So, the earth, right now, the earth is a dry place. Because it needs the kingdom of God. It's a barren place in many parts of the world. It's barren. Spiritually, I'm speaking about now. It's barren. Where other parts of the world, it's flourishing. Because the nation is turning towards Christ and his word. But where the nation, it's amazing how those nations that turn against God the most seem to be in the most conflict. And the ones who turn towards God seem to be in prosperity. And I don't understand all that. I just see some of those things. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But we, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And let's pick it up to show that this all-surpassing, what does that mean? It means outstanding, phenomenal, exceptional, extraordinary power is from God. Yeah? And it's not from us. It says this. We are hard-pressed on every side. Listen to it. Listen to what he's saying now. Listen to his context. We are hard-pressed on every side. But we're not crushed. We're perplexed. But we're not in despair. We're persecuted. But we are not abandoned. We're struck down. But we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body. The death of Jesus Christ. So that the life of Jesus. May also be revealed. So what you carry around with you. Must be revealed. Amen. And what you do carry around with you. Does get revealed. So if you carry a bad attitude. That gets revealed. If you carry around negativity, that gets revealed. But if you carry positivity and life and energy and vibrancy, people feed off that. People see that. Do they not? And he says, we carry this around. Listen, he said this, so, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed. In other words, that means disclosed, divulged and exposed. And how many of you know in life you'll get exposed And you'll divulge some things. Yes? And we carry it around in our body. So our body is the the main part here. It says, uh, sorry, for, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So you get the picture here that there's confrontation going on. How many of you ever had confrontation? How many feel that you've been perplexed? How many have ever felt as a Christian I'm talking about? I mean, oh, there's enough conflict when you're not a Christian. 
But, you know, Christianity does not take conflicts away. In fact, it brings more on. You know why? Because now we're at one point, if you pardon the expression, you used to shove two fingers up. Now your nature is being challenged. That when someone winds a snot out of you, you've now got to respond in a different way. Yes? So it's like, so God brings and allows certain kinds of sufferings to come to your life so that you man up. Yes? Or you woman up. Or you God up. Whatever up you want to use there. So when you want to knock the stuff in or you want to shove your fingers up at someone or your fist up at someone, you just know that when you've done it, you feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have done that. Why? Because if you do that, you're no different than anybody else. True? And we all know, you only have to look at the person at the side of you, if, the, if you know them really well, to know that they know there's an ugly side of you. True? And when you let the, the beast out the cage, you run for the hills. True? And everyone's got an ugly side. I know you're not all saying yes. Yes, there's an ugly side to your nature. And God says, I know that ugly side. I've seen it many, many times. And I want to show you that my life in you is a different power. And if my life can come inside you, and despite all this stuff that comes in your life, I'm going to teach you how to respond differently and how you can become Christ-like. Well, Lord, why can't I shove my fingers up anymore? Tony, we don't do it in the kingdom of God. We're now changing your nature. If your nature changes, your behavior follows. So many Christians do not want their nature to change. They just want to go to heaven. Well, to go to heaven, you only have to die. The issue is bringing heaven to earth. That's the harder thing. If my, if my heart stops beating, I will go to heaven. But my heart, God wants my heart to beat faster with heaven. So heaven can come down so I can carry Christ around with me. Amen. So Paul says, look, you know, Christians, you need to understand some stuff. You need to understand that there is a power in you that is all surpassing. It's outstanding. It's phenomenal. It's exceptional. It's extraordinary. It's it doesn't make sense to everybody, but it makes sense to you. And this power is from God and it's not from you. Amen. Um. You're going to be hard pressed on every side, on every side. And then he says, but you won't be crushed. And then he says, you're going to be perplexed. Well, I'm always perplexed. I try to understand God. I get perplexed. So then he says this, but you won't be in despair. Why? Because hope stops you from being in despair. And then he says, you're going to be persecuted. Well, I don't like that. I didn't buy him for that deal. He said, but don't worry, don't worry. But you won't be abandoned. So church, anyone who goes through some hard times, don't, don't, don't stop yourself from saying, does he love me? It's here. This is not the small print. This is the small print made big. Okay? On the iPad, you can make the small print go bigger. Yes? He says, and you won't be abandoned. You might be struck down, but you're not destroyed. In other words, get up, stop being mad and man up. Okay, it says we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Why? So that life can be displayed. For 
We who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So that, so then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. How many of you know death's at work? Death's trying to kill you. How many of you know that? What you eat, what you drink, how you live. Death is always finding an entrance into your life. True? You know words carry death? When you receive people's words, it carries, it creates death. Do you know that? When people get depressed, it shuts them down. It creates a spirit of death. So words can reverse that. So words are powerful. God gives us words. How you use them determines how much you yield your nature. Whichever nature, the spirit or the the old nature, the old man. Yes, and we've all got them. Ladies, you've got an old man. And he's not the one at the side here. Now, power, power can be better understood or power's understood in many, many ways. If I said to you, healing and miracles, signs and wonders through the laying on of hands, you'd all say, oh, that's power. I recognize power. True? Because in our mind, we think that's the power. I understand that's the power I want to see. But what if I said to you, grace? If I said to you, grace, is grace a power? Yes, well, I'll show you in a minute. Grace is a power that you and I need as a Christian. We very much need grace. And there's not enough about grace. But here I have an illustration for you. Three different types of batteries. Now, I've got a wee one here. That's for like your small video remote control. Right, which you use every now and then. DVD, I should say. Video's Asian, isn't it? Then we have the next superpower. We have the next battery, which would maybe work a TV remote control. This has more power than that one. How many of you know that? Because if that's got more power than that one, why does that one cost me more than that one? True? And then we have this one. The radio mic, has a radio mic got one of these? Or is it the ones? So, now, if, you, if I ask you to put your tongue on that, do you think you'll taste some of its power? Do yeah. you think if you put your tongue on that one, do you think you taste any of its power? No. No, no Nick should give me the scientific, scientific reason for that. But I know there's power in that when I put my tongue on it. True? And I start tingling and go all funny inside. But when I put my tongue on that one, nothing happens. But there's power in that one, is there not? Are you sure? Do you want to lick it and find out? Why not? There's power in there. It's a fresh battery. I know it works. But if I put that one in, you all start going funny on me. Do you want to sample it? No? You just set my word, there's power in that battery. Is that true? These symbolize so many different types of believers. Do you know, it doesn't matter the size of the believer. It doesn't matter how long the Christian has been a Christian, but they all carry power. The difference is, ready for this? The difference is, it's what connects, what they're connected to. And what draws power from them will determine the capacity needed. True? If you're using your DVD player, once a blue moon, those batches could last six to eight months. But if you're using microphone like this for an hour, two hours at a time and 
you know, a month. We need a store of these things. This battery allows you to hear me now. There's evidence of this power works because you're now listening to me. Now, I know it's backed up with other technology, but to get the signal from here to there takes a battery. True? I haven't got a lead. This is technology. I've just got a battery. But you can hear me, and you can hear me for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, depending how big the PA system is. And the power's there, is it not? Are you sure? Are you sure? You want to lick it to find out? Taste and see that the Lord is good? Okay, no, no, okay. So, each battery... Now, you may not have heard of these. Who who remembers the long life? Ever ready? Duracell. So we're supposed to be ever ready, long life, on long living, Duracell, bunny hopping, believers. You've seen the Duracell bunny hop, you know, he's given it all that. He can only bang his drum according to the length, how much power and capacity he carries. And then his drum silenced. True? Now, if you were never ready, you, wanted, you remember the advert when they, when they put all the bunnies with different, ban, uh, different um, batteries? Yeah. And the, the Duracell won. Yeah. True? Yeah. That's so like so many Christians. He's ever ready, but he's got no long distance. Yeah? Just like other Christians, you're always banging a drum. There's no different tune. There's no melody in you. But power is what we're called to carry. Carry. Rechargeable. Exactly. Rechargeable. This morning we were recharging our spirit in the presence of God. As my spirit cries out to God, he charges, he recharges me and re-energizes me and refreshes me. And any other re you can put, find in there what fits the, the um, parallel. But Paul says this. He said, listen to this. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says... 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. To keep me from being conceited. Now, I know a lot of believers who have been conceited. I've been one of them. But to keep me from becoming conceited, because of this surpassing great revelation. Now, here's another thing. Let me just stop right there before you read any more. Those people who are always talking about, I've this revelation, and I've got that revelation, and God spoke to me, and I've got that. Have a look if they've got any suffering going on in their life. If they've got suffering in their life, then revelations are justified. Because Paul says this, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing great revelation that was given to me in my flesh, trouble. And he calls him a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Anyone ever done that with God? Yeah. But he said to me, thank God he spoke. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, listen, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So if you want power, you've got to have some weakness going on. Because if you're all all strong and a stallion like me, and you can lift weights like Z and play football like Lawrence, then you don't need anybody else or anything. Because you've got it all together. You're the, you're the male type of Barbie. Who walks along and has got it all together. True? But 
Notice what he says, church, if we're going to be a powerful type of church, a powerful Christian, there must be some weakness in you. Oh, this isn't preached often enough. Because everyone wants to look good. They want to look the Armani believer. Because charismania says you've got to have gold, you've got to look good. Because if you don't look good, why will the world notice you? It ain't your suit that they notice you, dipstick. God wants to show himself, not you. So you get out the way and let him be seen. Now, you, do you need to look good? That's okay. Dress nice, that's okay. That's not the issue. But you know what? Smelling my Armani perfume, looking at my suit, isn't going to bring Christ out. It might get you an interview, but it won't keep you in the job. What's inside you keeps you in the job. So he says, let's read that again because it's so good because I know you missed it the first time. To keep me from becoming conceited. So, some of, so wife, if you see you, if you've got a conceited husband, you say something's coming to you. Something needs to come to you to stop you from being conceited. Yeah. Oh Lord, bring him some weakness. Spring suffering on him, Lord. He says he married you. <laughs> what more weak, What more suffering do you need? <laughs> see, ladies, you thought I was on your side, then, didn't you? Out from the ashes, I pulled the rabbit out of the hat. I'm the only preacher who has to supply the rabbit and the hat. But he says, to stop me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations. So, so in other words, don't, be some, don't become so heavenly minded that you're no earthly use. Keep your feet on the Keep your head lifted up, but your feet on the ground. Amen. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded, God, take it away from me. He didn't say take her or him away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, now attitude changes. Watch. I'm going to boast all the more about my weakness. Why? Because the more I feel weak, the greater his grace is upon my life. And the more his power is seen. And I've got no reason to boast it's about me. I can boast it's God that's doing it. There's an attitude change when you haven't got it all together. Now, he's not saying you don't... Listen, let's just get this in context. He's not saying don't develop competence. He's not saying don't develop core competent skills. Learn to present yourself well. Learn to speak properly. Put a yes and a no. Put a, put a T and a G at the end of words and an S at the end of words. Not nothing. Nothing. No such word as nothing. No such thing as water. No, no, no. Learn to brush up. Learn to be competent. Okay? So we're not saying go in like a scuffer. We're saying brush up. Do your best. But your best on a good day with the wind behind your back still isn't good enough. True? Some people think, well, I'll just go and be like a scuffer. I'll stay as I am. I won't develop myself. I won't improve myself. And I'll just expect God to do it all. That's not what he's saying. Okay? You work. You do what you need to do. God does what he has to do. Okay? Because how many of you know, even with your great skills, you still are not in the place that you want to really be. Right? So you need a higher power and a higher grace upon your life. So he says, therefore, I'm going to boast all the more 
about my weaknesses. So that Christ may rest on me. Amen. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. Listen. Insults. Hardships. And in persecution. And in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. That sounds like a contradiction. But it's not. God needs to use your weakness so that you rely on him more. And grace is what keeps you. Amen? So, even though signs and wonders and laying on of hands and, and uh, all those things, power, without a shadow of a doubt, they're powerful. Let's never forget grace is what we all need. God's grace upon our lives. And there's not enough spoken about grace. Because God... I should say, Paul twins power uh, with weakness. God, uh, Paul should say, keep saying God, Paul twins weakness with grace. So to have power, you need weakness. To have weakness, you need, when you've got weakness, you need grace. True? Because it, these things are so, so important. And listen, let's just listen to this. Minute. Paul said that his power was made perfect through weakness. The power came through the power of grace. So power is rerouted in a different way. Yes? It's not about earthly power now. It's a supernatural power that rests on you. We've, we've just read that. Every person who is born again, every person who has, who has actually acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord and has given their lives to him and following him, there is a grace that is received. It's called saving grace. In other words, you didn't deserve anything. You deserve to go to hell, but God's grace, through faith, kept you for himself. That's called saving grace. Now, when you listen to preachers speak, they only ever talk about the saving grace. But there is a more, or let me rephrase it, there is other revelations of grace. There is what we call a sustaining grace. An empowering, sustaining grace. Paul, you can't go through persecution, sufferings, without having sustaining grace. Because in the flesh, any persecution will finish you, or any persecution will cause you to react in the flesh. True? Because it's your nature to respond. Inside you is a nature what says, an eye for an eye. Inside you, a nature says, if he does to me, I'll do it to him twice as hard. Anybody found that nature? Yeah, inside you, the believer, how many times you say, and you've, you've gone through the mental video and you've hung them, drawn them, slaughtered them, crucified them. You've sold the nails at the crucifixion. You've been the one who's crucified them. You've done it all and you went, well, I only thought about it, so it wasn't really a sin. And then you went, well, oh, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, because that's how I feel about that person right now. Then you have to go later, you have to go, oh, God, sorry. Sorry, Lord, I shouldn't have had that bad thought. About that person. But I really want to kill him, Lord. So, Lord, if you hear my prayer this morning, be justif uh, justify me, oh, Lord. Kill him. <laughs> kill him, Lord. Take him out. But, oh, God, forgive me later. <laughs> We've done it. We've all done it. That sounds like your prayer, that, doesn't it? I know. I've just... Kill him, Lord. Kill him, Lord. 
Lord, I'm using righteous anger here. But you know, saving grace gets us onto the page. It was a, a grace that God gave us. Now, Romans 3 verse 22 says, Righteousness, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ to all who believe. Romans 3 verse 22. This righteousness comes from God through faith in Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. He said, for all have sinned. Who's the all? You and me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And then if you go to flick over in your Bible to Romans 5 verse 2. It says, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace. In which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So let me put it to you. Let me sum up those two verses like this. Faith is the doorway leading to grace. Okay? Faith is the doorway that leads to grace. The gift of faith was given to you by the Holy Spirit so you could believe. Okay? You're a sinner. You've not accepted Christ. You don't know the truth. You can't receive this message without a first, a revelation being given to you by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says what that man's teaching is truth. The Holy Spirit convicts you and he, and he, he exposes you and your ways and he, he exposes you to see that what that man or that girl is preaching is truth and you need it. Right? So now a gift of faith is given to you by God himself through the Holy Spirit so that you can now accept what's being offered. You had no way of accepting this message without something being given to you. Your eyes had to be opened. Your heart had to be exposed. The Holy Spirit did that. And the Bible says this, that the gift of faith was given to you by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's just stay with these two scriptures a minute. Faith is the doorway leading to grace. So now through faith, you receive this message, which now allows you then to take hold of the grace. That's called saving grace. This is not too hard, is it? Okay, so I go through a door. Chris, can you stand up for me? Let me just use an illustration, please. So Chris is, Chris is Christ. That's a mouthful, isn't it? So Chris is Christ. He's, he's, he's preaching. I need what he's saying. But I have no idea because I'm blind. So Philip is the Holy Spirit. He takes away my blindfold and he gives me a deposit called faith. Now faith, I can go to Christ. Open your hands. He gives me his grace. Grace says come inside the kingdom. You're now born again. Thank you, Chris. You're now born again. So I get in by grace, but it was through faith. Come on. I, need, I, need just, I, need, I can't move on unless I know that you, you're catching it. Faith. You get in by faith. Faith leads you to grace. Grace is what keeps you. You didn't deserve it. It's given it to you. It's free. But you needed faith to receive it first. Okay? It's like Carol saying to, uh, to me, there's £10 there. She's given it me, but I need faith to believe it's there. So when I get it, the £10 actually grace. It keeps me for a day. Oh, in my case, five minutes. <laughs> right? She gave me £10 of a grace. Then, grace now is the doorway that leads to hope. Does this make sense? So faith gets you to grace. 
Grace shows you, I now have hope. In Jesus Christ, there's now hope. I now have a future. My life can change. My life is changing. And if it can change me, it can change my family. If it can change my family, it can change my wider family. If it can change me, I also have a destiny now. And all of a sudden, hope begins to rise within me. Because without a hope, you can't live. But first of all, you've got to go back. Faith to grace. Grace to hope. Is this helping? Then, hope becomes the doorway leading to glory. Does that make sense? Faith to grace. Grace, come on, stay with me. To hope, hope to glory. It's, these are doorways. Faith to grace. Grace to hope. Hope to glory. We're all going from one degree of glory to the next. Our blessed hope is that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday and forever. He will return. He has conquered death. This is our hope. This is our hope. And we, this morning, we partook of his glory. He said his glory will go with us. So this morning, we shared in his glory. Sufferings is part of glory. It is. So we share. So this power has to become evident within your life. So if you go to Acts chapter 11, verse 23. I hope this is helping you. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 21. It says, sorry, Acts chapter, Acts, that's the next scripture, sorry. Acts 11, verse 23. Acts 11, 23. Do you know why they call it the book of Acts? Because there were acts done by the people. Yes, there were works, there were demonstrations, there were evidence. So he says this, when he arrived and saw the evidence, let me say that again, I want to be drinking water, honest. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So, Grace was evident upon their life. And because the grace was evident, he was then able, Paul, was then able to open up the door to encourage other people to receive faith to grace, grace to hope, hope to glory. Somebody needs to evidence what they've received. Now I'm looking at a group of people this morning who are the evidence of God. You are the evidence of God. You're not only the righteousness, you are the evidence. Evidence of what? Of God's saving grace. You are the evidence of his power and his glory. You're his evidence. Listen, anyone who can turn my life around is deserving of honor. Had I not believed, I would have despaired. So, You are now commissioned to display some kind of evidence. Let's put it another way. The Bible calls it fruit. You must have some kind of fruit, evidence, that what you say you believe and you profess is actually working on your life. If your language has never changed and you still curse everybody in your workplace, then guess what? That's not evidence. 
if you still do dirty dealings, still, still treat people like everybody else treats others, then there is no evidence. There must be evidence with grace. Just because people walk over you, no one likes to be walked all over, do they? No one likes to be walked over. Nobody. And I think, well, if you can get out of the way, get out of the way. This face is not a doormat. I have feelings, emotions, just like everybody else. But where there is no option, I have to take it. Why? Because I'm built with a buffer inside here. I can take some impact. I can take a pounding. I don't volunteer for it. I don't want it. I don't shove my head up and say, hey, smack it. I've got, a fa- I, you know, I've got this kind of way with my mouth, trouble finds me. And I kind of pretty much find you're probably going to be the same. You know, when you don't keep your mouth shut, you get in trouble. You know, when you keep your mouth shut, you get in trouble. So you've got a choice. Wisdom now is what you need. When to open your mouth and when to shut your mouth. Either way, it gets me in trouble. And then wisdom needs a sense of timing. And then we can go on and on and on. So we're built for trouble. <laughs> you know, there will be trouble ahead. You've heard, you've heard me sing that to you many times. <laughs> but when we arrived, some of you think you've arrived. And saw the evidence of the grace of God. Can people see the evidence of God upon your life? Are you so moody, tetchy, itchy? There's no grace. All we see is you and your character. Or do we see the character of God on your life? The evidence of God. Now you can go to Nehemiah if you want. Chapter 9, verse 21. And I really haven't got to the Valley of Baca. Because I really wanted to just set the scene for you. Why you need grace. Grace is a power. True? Grace is a power. Shirley and Andy name a daughter called Grace. Then they realize why they need Grace. Grace takes on a whole new meaning. Lord, there was a child given to me. <laughs> I'm sure our Shirley and Andy at times have read Paul's letter, you know, and, and you know, I'm beaten. She's beat us. <laughs> We're perplexed with her. But God says, no, she's just grace for you. Yeah, no, she's grace. So Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 21, for 40 years, you sustained them in the desert. For 40 years, you Sustain them in the desert. 40 years. How long? 40 years is a long time. How many of you know to sustain someone takes an awful amount of grace? To keep someone. Do you know I've got, I've got someone living under my roof. It's called my son. It takes an awful lot of grace to have two men in the house. It does. Be serious. Because you've heard me say this before. The problem is with kids when they, when they grow up. As he starts getting that facial air and he discovers this, the caveman comes out in him and he gets the hunger, hunger. He expects certain things, but he forgets that though he's a man, there's only one father in the house. There can only ever be one father in the house, but there's two men. So he looks at me, thinks I could have him. (laughs) I could have him. And I look at him and say, not on your best day. Now he thinks because he's a man, he sees dad getting older, so therefore his mind, he thinks he's getting weaker. Silly boy. He thinks because he's getting stronger, dad's getting weaker. But what he forgets is there's a, there, there is a line here that says honor. Father is a man to be honored. 
just like mother is. And this is where you get your, this is where you get your conflict in the house because they see themselves as equal. They see themselves getting there. She's, the daughter's rising. She's looking beautiful. She's seeing the, the woman's coming out on her. She sees you're getting older. You can't wear those clothes that she can wear. Mm-mm. Right? You don't look as good. Mum, you never looked as good as me. Right? And mum says, yeah, yeah. And then mum goes into history then, doesn't she? That's her best. That's all she's got is history. True? But dad says, son, there's a line here. It's honor. I don't care if you're bigger than me, stronger than me. Honor says, you can't cross this line. But son doesn't understand that. You've got to teach it them. True? You've got to teach them. There is a power there, but there's also a grace to keep everything in order. There is a power there. Now, I remember having, ashamedly, let me just say, a man-to-man wrestle with my younger son, Ben. We had an argument one day, and we started wrestling. I want to say wrestling, I was knocking a snot out of him. Right? And this is going on in the street, of all places. Right? And this is, and we're fighting over the car here. I'm, and this is, I'm ashamed. But I'm telling you, I'm ashamed. And Carol's looking at the window, oh, no, what's going on? And, Right? I would, and now my boy was beaten on every side. Right? I didn't hit him. We were just wrestling. But part of me says, if he wins, I'll never be able to hold my head up high again. So like Samson, I had to call on the grace of God. And I got him in a headlock. And I pulled him down. And I thought, thank God I've won. But you know, everything inside me says, we can't come to this place ever again. Because I realized he was rising and everything that was in me, he pulled out. And if, I can't, if he can't walk by honor, then it's time for him to go north and I'll go south. Because grace has to sustain the house. Grace. Grace. You must have grace to govern your house. Grace is a power. You can't have your wife or your kids in turmoil. You must have sustainable grace to bring everything into order. And when order, I mean not your, you getting your way. When I mean order, I mean peace and harmony and love and strength. Young people have to find their own way. That's why it's right for them to leave. Because if they won't honour the rules of the house, then there's no other way. If, if, if they won't honour, if they won't honour you, right, then your grace can't sustain everything. But where there's honour, there is grace. I have found that many years ago, I didn't have this grace in this church. And there was conflict on every side. And like Paul, I felt like Paul. And then I walked into a grace. And I remember when I, when I tapped into this grace, it was six years ago. I tapped into this grace like I'd never understood it before. And who brought me into it was Jonathan David. I never saw it the way he saw it. And he took me beyond saving grace into sustaining grace. And I began to understand how a man has to walk within a grace. A grace keeps him. You do what you do by skill and talent, but you are kept by grace. I can't walk to this pulpit and minister to you and put life into you without sustaining grace. I don't sweat. I'm not working for this thing. I'm not, I'm not flustered. I'm in a grace moment. I know when I walk to this pulpit, I have the word to feed. It doesn't matter if there's 10,000 or 10. I have the word to sustain. 
Why? Because this grace I've walked into. It's not by me. And I realize now that when God began to speak to me back in Australia, he says, are you ready for some conflict? No, it's coming. Why? You know why I said it? Because you're too comfortable. So that's when he says, I'm going to give you a coat, a new coat. But this coat, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Well, what does uncomfortable mean? It means you're going to have some conflict. Not with you. But the things that you open up in the spirit will create conflict. You have to grow. So another level of grace has to come to me. Just like it has to come to you. Because we're going from glory to glory. The moment, the Christian walk is not meant to just get to one level and stay. As long as you've got breath in your body and energy in your system, your battery. You can either be a small one or you can be a big one. Depends, it's up to you. Whatever you, whatever you allow and decide to draw from you will determine your level of grace needed. How many of you know to have one child can absolutely wipe a person out or a couple out? I don't know how these mothers and fathers used to have ten kids. I just don't know how they did it. I got three and I was pulling my hair out. I got Ben. Ben. See, listen, I got Ben and still kept my hair. Now that's grace. That's grace. That's grace. See, you only have to have one kid and it can really test you to the max. Some people have ten. Ten. I do well to remember the names. How how does mum know whose socks belong to who? That's why that phrase comes up. First up, best dressed. True? I mean, that's just a grace, ladies, to do that. You've got a grace, ladies, to, to, to raise children like, like I've never seen before. You leave a man, you've seen that advert, haven't you, with a kid? And the wife says, I'll get back to you. And the, and the, the, kids, uh, the father's eating Weetabix, and he says, you're going to need it, eat your energy. And the kid runs him ragged all day. When she comes home, the kid's sleeping, and the man's sleeping. She went, oh, he's worn you out. And the little kid says, yeah, I did. I wore him out. There's a grace that's needed for kids. There is a grace that's needed to raise God's children. There's a grace that's needed to get on with one another. There's a grace that's needed to look at your brother in the eye and your sister in the eye and say, you know, we can, we can walk together. This power, this secret power, must be made evident in our lives. Now, we'll look at Baca. We'll get to him, Chewbacca, next week. But for, for, for closing now, we need to understand that God's grace is sufficient. There came a messenger. I am not that messenger, what came from Satan, to buffet you, to cause you pain. I'm a messenger from God. My words are to give you life. My words are his words. To give you life. To give you hope. Because that's what he wants us to have. I give you plans to prosper you. Hope. Amen? Sustaining grace, my friends. Let's stand to our feet if we will. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.